Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. I'm one of HRN's interns, Nina Medvinskaya, with a preview of the next episode of Meat and Three, our weekly food news roundup. This week's topic the marriage of food and danger. Sometimes, danger lurks in the food that we eat. So instead of saying what is poisonous, I'd rather say what's not because it's literally just the flesh and the fins. Food poisoning doesn't just threaten our bodies, but it endangers our environment as well. The emissions of JBS combined with the other top five meat companies exceed the annual emissions of Exxon, Shell, or BP. For more, tune into this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there. This is a recommended reading with Food Book Fair hitting you on the airwaves from Heritage Radio Network in the back of Roberta's. I am one of your co-hosts, Amanda Dell. I'm your other co-host, Kimberly Chow. We are the co-directors of Food Book Fair, a festival of writing about eating. And as I mentioned, your hosts for this fantastical, magical ride of recommended reading. <laughs> we'll be talking. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Thank Matt. you, Matt, and the engineer's booth. We're going to be talking about what we're reading Watching and listening to Between Us, of course, but also we do it with friends and family in and around the food and media world. We are delighted to be on air with the celebrated chef today, Anita Lowe, who has now authored her second cookbook called Solo, a modern cookbook for a party of one. (laughs) Um, In it, Anita gives us the ultimate guide to self-love through the best means possible, delicious food, and 101 accessible, contemporary, and sophisticated recipes for home cooks. Drawn from her childhood, her years spent cooking around the world, and extensive travels. Um, If you miss her beloved West Village restaurant, Anissa, um, you can listen on later to hear what she's up to and hear what's in this book and where you can get it. No, not to dive, not to, not to delve too much into the book, but when I had a chance to take a look at it, I, I felt like I knew Anita a lot better. Mm. <laughs> so it's also beautifully illustrated by Julia Rothman, a past food book fair event participant as well. Um, and you should check it out. But we'll we'll come uh, we'll come back on the show later after the break to talk about it with Anita. So you get it from the source. But in the meantime, Amanda, what have you been reading, watching, or listening to? What's on your recommended list? Thanks for letting me go first today. Um, Well, I think I had mentioned last week or the week prior that I was very much looking forward to starting to read Michelle Obama's book, Becoming. Mm. And I was very conflicted about where to order it from and if I should just go to Jeff Bezos or, you know, support my local bookstore. Um, I did buy it at a bookstore. Where'd you go? Um, I actually, I went to the Barnes and Noble in Union Square. Okay. not quite independent, but I figured it was a step in the right direction. Mm. And they do some good sales. Mm -hmm. Um, I've I've just begun. It's it's a pretty lengthy book. Um, I think it will probably take me through the Christmas (laughs) break into the new year. Um, 
And, you know, right now she's, she's kind of, she starts from like day one, like where Mm -hmm. she was born on the South side of Chicago, Mm -hmm. her family dynamic, a lot about her brother, her parents' relationships, how she grew up, where she grew up, her schooling, family life in the Robinson home. Mm -hmm. And, um, the one, the, the, the parts that are really like getting me right now and are giving me life are, is basically this section where I'm at right now where she, she meets Barack. Mm. And she is a, uh, an associate on the partner track at a very prestigious Chicago law firm. And so she's, you know, a couple years ahead of Barack, although he, he is older, but took some time off. Um, and he is basically assigned to her. He is like a summer intern. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is like his keeper, mm-hmm. basically. And is supposed to like show him a good time so that mm-hmm. he'll... <laughs> I mean, not in a <laughs> right. fraternizing way. Of course. Um, show him how great, you know, life can be working at this firm and uh, just give him like a sense of, you know, what the day to day would be like and, and help guide him so that he can be most successful. Um, you know, she, she, Michelle is kind of a rule follower as she, you know, Mm -hmm. self-proclaimed and, you know, just reading these anecdotes from her just makes me like fall more and more in love with them as a couple Mm -hmm. and as people like, you know, she just basically said that, you know, Barack kind of, his Barack's reputation preceded him. Like he, he was talked about so much because really of, you know, his brilliance Mm -hmm. and that, um, you know, he could just like write like a 30 page, you know, memo on the criminal justice system. And and everyone in the firm was like, wow, this is really good. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So basically what the best part about it is, and it, is that he he doesn't care like about any of the shit that they want him to do during the Mm -hmm. summer like outside of the office like michelle tries to like bring him to these like happy hours where people are like schmoozing and like talking about their like upwardly mobile lifestyle and Mm -hmm. how they're gonna like get a sob and (laughs) and he could like honestly care less she's Mm -hmm. like yeah I i didn't bring him after like a couple and then they and then they go to the theater and they see les miserables uh-huh. And like in intermission, he basically turns to her and is like, this kind of sucks. Like, should we get out of here? And she's like, what? I'm supposed to be like babysitting you. But she's like, OK. And so you can start to see where like the seeds of their romance are mm-hmm. are, are uh, planted. And okay. it's really funny. And you also kind of realize like eventually how complementary they are to mm-hmm. each other. And I think that that's part of their strength together. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I'm very much looking forward to keep to uh, continuing, but um, it's it's really been a pleasure to read so Something far. Something I love about the show, I was saying earlier, is the thematic continuity. Like you'll mention, like I'm trying to read Becoming, and two episodes later, you're like, "This is where I am." I'm a doer. Or like other people <laughs> recommend stuff, and then we pick it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. Okay, I will get you a short one. Um, Speaking of continuity, I always I, I've talked frequently about Guy Raz's show, How I Built This, another mm-hmm. podcast, and I got a chance to listen to two uh, podcasts by women entrepreneurs and founders, mm-hmm. um, Bobby Brown, mm-hmm. and she gives a great interview. Oh, did you? Oh, have you? No, just, just in, in general. general. I've seen yeah. her speak and um, read a lot of interviews with her. Yeah, and Emily Weiss from Glossier. Oh, yeah, and you know, I think it's pretty safe to say that we're fans of Glossier. And um, 
yeah, Emily's interview is like very kind of a matter of fact. Like she, she really like speaks very plainly about what she did and how she did it. And also is very open about the fact that, that she really didn't know what mm. to do, how to do it. She's like Googling like venture capital. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Um, and you know, Bobby's is, is really interesting because again, I, I kind of like the ones that, that go back into like business development of like the, the 80s when people used like telephones more um to actually call people and there's always like that scene like there's also like barbara corcoran's episode and like now bobby brown's episode where they're like literally like i took the phone book i started calling booking agents like i called people i said i would assist them um so just you know sometimes those practices don't apply today but it's interesting to think about how you can translate them into today's world Mm. it's inspiring so those are my recommends. Always pick up the phone and call. I yes. feel like that's a Amanda Dell life recommend. <laughs> I feel like I do it less and less, but I'll put it back on my list. Mm. So what are you getting into these days, Miss Kim? Um, I have been traveling a lot. So I have different people who sublet my apartment or they house it. My cat, his name's Sam. He needs a lot of love. Um, and often when people stay, they leave books um, or other things. Hopefully books. Um, And hopefully once I want to read. So I just read If Beale Street Could Talk by James Baldwin, which um, my summer subletter left for me or maybe I bought for myself. It's unclear. We were both texting and both of us um, read a lot of James Baldwin. So it was like unclear whose collection this came from. But it was sort of like a me Baldwin, Sue Baldwin sort of situation. (laughs) But Um, you're in possession of it now. I'm in possession of it now. Um, I hear the film directed by Barry Jenkins is really good. I think another guest has recommended that. So I'm excited to check that out. It just came out. Oh, it did. Starring Regina Hall. Okay. Who I really like. Um, And then um, I'm reading Zaytun by Dave Eggers, which is the story of a family during and after Katrina. Um, and that came out several years ago. It won many awards. It's a nonfiction book um, written by Dave Eggers, which, who is better known for fiction, but um, told from the point of view of this family. Um, but I did some Googling while I was on the train today because I was so engrossed in the story and I'm only 50 pages in and I'm like, oh, I wonder what this family looks like in real life. And apparently the, the protagonists, uh, the protagonist of this book was accused of trying to kill his wife. A few years after the book came out. Wow. And now that's like the first page of Google Hits. And I'm like, holy shit. But are they like... By now I don't know what to do in terms of continuing to read this book or not. Well, are they like united as a like a married couple no, they're in divorced. the book? Oh, oh in the book. Yeah, in like, the book, they're very much together. And okay. the book speaks really lovingly about their relationship and how they met and, and you know, all this stuff. Wow. So it's a, a big turn, apparently. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I think you should. I don't know. This is a spoiler. This book came ten came out ten years ago, and this was also like a major. Oh, I crime. feel like you should definitely keep reading it. I mean, a storm is coming. I know that much. <laughs> I know that much. Right. Um, the main character is paddling a canoe on the front cover, which also tells you something. Um, but I also read How to Kill a City recently by Peter Moskovitz, Mm. which talks about gentrification in four American cities, including New Orleans, after Katrina. So it's been interesting. Um, I've spent a little time there and a lot of friends live there, but not a lot of time there. And it's been interesting um, reading about this period of recent history. Hmm. That might be a book I might have to borrow. How to Kill a City is 
Very good. Is it in it's your about, lending library? It's in, I just lent it out. I just lent what? it out. What? Yeah. Um, okay. It's, uh, it talks about New York, San Francisco, Detroit, and New Orleans. Okay. I'll have but to you'll, you'll appreciate the New York chapter, I think. Okay. I think I can get it from the library. Yeah. Um, so I'm reading that. Um, I went to a friend's party this weekend, and she was playing her Spotify top top hits list which is basically what spotify compiles for you okay what you've been listening to all year so i went home and i looked up mine and it was less embarrassing than i thought it would be mm. there's a lot of drake and bad bunny on it some sade it actually all flows together pretty nicely jadena i'm not embarrassed okay but I, you should look uh, look my list would be like non-existent i don't know i just the internet has all of your information I know they do. And there was, I have, I know there was a headline like in the times a couple of days ago about like location devices are like collecting all of your data. You don't think they're using it, but they are. I thought, like, I think I always try to turn mine off, but I don't know. Yeah. The Actually, the one other thing I wanted to quickly talk about was, I don't know if you saw uh, the the article on Grub, in Grub Street by Nikita Richardson about, about tipping. Why tipping? Failed. Tip gratuity free didn't work, or or it didn't work for many restaurants, restaurants. that tried it. Um, yeah, it's it's. We a hosted a town hall about <laughs> yeah. labor and gratuity in at Food Book Fair 2016 when yeah. uh, a lot of people were starting to make moves about that. That wasn't that long ago, right? It opens talking about um, Thad Vogler. Okay. Um, a previous the, recommended reading ex- guest. Exactly. Um, and about Bar Agricole and his business. And through Normand and mm-hmm. how he, he was like, he, he really, really was an early adapter of, and felt very strongly about having service included. Mm-hmm. And like having to concede that it wasn't working was one of the most difficult things he's had to do. Mm. Um, so the article itself is, it's like, it's not really like conclusive, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, I think what I've been hearing a lot from people that have read it is really that this whole tipping, no tipping in, in the U S it, it kind of has to be a little bit more all in. It's mm. kind of like when you're having certain restaurants that are outliers, you know, and, and still, in the minority it's kind of people don't know what to do they mm-hmm. don't know how to like mm-hmm. compensating staff is still challenging guests don't know mm-hmm. what to do so mm-hmm. um i would recommend reading it so. i'll check it out i saw it Please was on do. the it yeah. was on the top shared list okay and top most read got it cool well um i think in a moment we are going to be joined by our guest anita Lowe. we're going to take a short break um definitely want to let you know that we are in the end of year fundraising drive here at heritage radio network we need to raise some serious cash in order to keep these mics hot so head over to heritageradionetwork.org please donate what you can we are a member supported independent radio station non-for-profit so please give what you can so we can keep doing what we do 20 2019 is HRN's 10th year. Help us make our most impactful and delicious year yet. Do it. HeritageRadioNetwork.org slash donate. And we will be back on Heritage Radio Network with Anita Lowe after this break.
program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant from French to Pan Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and the rarest natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit Corin.com. Hello, welcome back. Hi, you are listening to Recommended Reading with Food Book Fair and Heritage Radio Network. I'm Amanda Dell, your co-host. I'm Kimberly Chow, your other co-host. We are joined today with the chef and author Anita Lowe. She has a new book out called Solo, a modern cookbook for a party of one. The life of a chef can be a lonely one with odd hours and late night meals. But as a result, Michelin-starred chef Anita Lowe believes that cooking and dining for one can and should be blissful and empowering, as the uh, book description goes. We are so excited to be talking about that with Anita herself. Chef, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Hi, welcome. We'd love to start right from the beginning. Um, we really love how you explain it in the introduction and was wondering if you could say so in your words for our audience, how you came up with the concept of solo. You talk about putting the low in solo and in alone <laughs> and the inspiration <laughs> yeah. for this, which I really, I love a pun. So we both do. So you're in good company here. You know, actually the idea um, didn't come up that way. It came up because of a conversation I had with my friend David Ransom, um, who uh, helps to organize the Share Breast and Ovarian Cancer uh, fundraisers that we do every year, uh, and for some reason we got on the um, title. Uh, we got on the subject of cookbook titles with my last name in it. Okay, oh, I, I read that part in the in the back, yeah. like sweet and low, yeah. like or something, something to that effect. Yeah. Yeah, so two two of the two of the titles were solo and alone. I was like, oh my god, I have to write that. That would be really mm-hmm. fun, and it could be you know the recipes have to be easy, so that could be easy for me too. And um, yeah, it, it, um, yeah, it took a couple of years to get it out, but we we finally did it. Well, congratulations! Yeah. I think thank you. Yeah, love that concept, but also um, I think this idea that cooking for yourself and enjoying a meal by yourself can be empowerful and blissful, as you say, is so powerful and you really believe that. And it, um, I think this is also a moment in time where people in general, and it's, it's being talked about more in mainstream media, are placing an import on self-care and taking care of themselves first. Do you think that's, um, how do you see this book or your engagement as maybe part of this larger cultural shift or indicative of that at all? 
Oh, definitely. Certainly, certainly. I think food is is culture, it's identity, and, you know, cooking for yourself and cooking what you love, cooking what you grew up with um, can can be self-reaffirming, yeah. Yeah, I loved in the beginning of the book that you said, like, that you had been broken up with so many times or weren't in a... like, And <laughs> it kind of, like, forced you a little bit to, you know, always be, you know, at different points in your life, be cooking, you know, just for yourself. And maybe can you a little bit talk about your, your, at one point, your two different worlds, like restaurant cooking, where you're cooking for so many people every night, and then kind of your, you know, version of home cooking, where you might be cooking for yourself or your, you know, or another person. Um, how, like, how, how, how did those two worlds meet? And, and, you know, where did they divide kind of? Well, I think I started out actually cooking, you know, just for one, for the most part, I think, you know, I don't see how, yeah, it's shocking to me that there's so many people out there that have never really cooked for themselves. Mm. Um, It's just like when I went away to college, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, most people leave home at one point. (laughs) I figure, you know, know, I don't know. And and you're not always coupled up. So, or, and especially nowadays, you're not necessarily always, Mm -hmm. even if you're coupled up, you're not necessarily with somebody every night. Um, But, um, yeah, so I started cooking for myself in college because I had to. And, um, yeah, I really loved it. And that's actually how I ended up cooking professionally. Mm. Um, so that really was the beginning. I think uh, cooking professionally has only enhanced the way I cook from, you know, cook for one or mm. cook for myself at home or for others at home. Yeah. What were some of the things that you first learned how to cook when you were on your own for the first time away at college? And is there anything that you've retained <laughs> in original or adapted form later on in life? Oh, yeah. It's interesting because now that I don't have the restaurant, um, I'm cooking a lot more at home. Mm. And, um, yeah, so I'm actually going back to some of those recipes because I, I used to never cook in my apartment in New York City because it's just too small. Um, and it's not, you know, I've got I've got minimal counter space. And so mm. it's, it's just not it's not great. So what, what I would like to cook here is really just the most simple, you know, the, the simplest recipes. And so, yeah, I think some of the things that I started cooking um, when I went away to college was, were dishes that my family used to serve us, which was, you know, my nanny's chicken paprikash. I made that again recently. Um, I made, yeah, my mom sent me away to school with a little um, plastic index card holder of recipes. Mm. And, Do you still um, have that? No, I lost. Oh. I don't know where it went. And it, just, it still kills. It kills me. Um, but yeah, it was like a, she had like a mapo tofu in there. Mm. Um, I think there was uh, some noodles. Uh, her her chicken curry when she grew up in Malaysia. Mm. Um, yeah, so yeah, I've been making stuff like that actually. Yeah, one thing that really struck me about the book is is how global, you know, the influences are and how the recipe, you know, some some of the recipes are drawn on, you know, time spent in Italy or Greece or Jerusalem. Um, uh, How do you, you know, how do you kind of call the best things or the the best recipes when you travel? And and is it just sometimes you're inspired to make those recipes when you just can't 
stop thinking about them anymore? Or how do you bring those back and then, you know, start cooking them here? Yeah, I mean, it's all of that. And it happens in different ways. And, um, um, yeah, sometimes you just have something that you really love in a foreign country. And you come home and you either recreate it from memory or, you know, you have to go and do some research and figure out how to make that. And, um, and either you make that dish or you make a modified dish or, um, yeah, but I grew up in a, you know, in a, in a really food obsessed family that traveled a lot. So, um, yeah, it was always, we were all, anytime we were going somewhere, we were trying to learn about, that local culture through its food. Mm. Okay, food obsessed. That's how you would describe your family growing up. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and was that kind of different from how other families were at the time? Or, you know, did, did, or was it, did you feel like it was cool? Like you were happy that your family was food obsessed? Well, I love food. So I was happy that my family was food obsessed. But yes, we were different. We were, you know, I grew up in the Midwest. So there certainly were plenty of people in the Midwest that just, you know, ate for sustenance. Mm-hmm. Um, but and also we were eating, you know, weird things that nobody else was eating, and that was, on some level, you know, when you're a kid, you know, you want to fit in, and oh, so for sure. As much as as much as I loved those things, it was just you know it was something that I kept to myself mm-hmm. back then. I'm also someone who grew up culturally Chinese in the Midwest. I think we're both from Michigan, actually. So I can oh, imagine. Yeah. yeah. The, Where are you um, from? I'm from, uh, I grew up in the suburbs of Detroit. Oh, yeah, so did I. I grew up in Birmingham. Okay, I grew up in Troy. So we're basically adjacent town neighbors. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> my family, we used to drive to Toronto, or rather Markham, Ontario, just to eat. And we would stay yeah, overnight exactly. and drive back. Uh, exactly. Actually, we would go... There was a really great restaurant in Windsor, though. Ooh, that I which one in Windsor? I don't remember, um, but it was like they didn't. I remember um, they didn't have a liquor license, so they would serve beer in in little tea pots. That's brilliant. And it just was like the best food ever. I Chinese people are so crafty. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I love those I think I I love those memories specifically of like try, like going somewhere because of the food or bring like the specific memories br- you bring back um, or sometimes recipes that are integrated into the rest of your life are um, are because of, of food culture. And I feel like especially sometimes when you're living in a place or being brought up in a place that is where that's not necessarily the case it feels so much more robust when you can access it in different ways. Agreed, yeah. I feel like this book is also deeply philo- philosophical in the head notes. But also really funny. <laughs> there are two things that really struck me. One, I, I think a is lot of... the Arctic char recipe? <laughs> no, a lot of cookbooks... It's, it's like the... Oh, I'll tell you. <laughs> it's a lot of cookbooks, I think, describe themselves as being like, for the quote-unquote home cook. Mm-hmm. But in actuality, you know, it, it, there's like sometimes you need a lot of equipment or some of the ingredients are a little bit obscure or, you're, you know, it does require like, you know, some practice and technique before you're able to achieve 
you know, the recipes. But what I really felt like was like, wow, like every recipe that I flipped through in this book was like, okay, I I do cook a lot personally, but I was like, I can definitely make this. And like, okay, I never thought about tahini and dates together in that way. I know, you know, I definitely know they're paired, you know, together, but it really felt very accessible for the home cook. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's certainly, I think in order to cook multiculturally, you have to be able to go get some weird ingredients, but um, all of that stuff you can get online these days. And, you know, I think it's better to, to present something multicultural than something watered down that, you know, that you, you that anyone can make from their local grocery store in you know, Birmingham, Michigan, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Birmingham, Michigan. Not yeah. sorry. Were there any well, recipes? I, I have in the back. Maybe it's all new, but. I... Were there any recipes that kind of like ended up on the cutting room floor, so to speak? Like, were there any recipes that you wanted to include, but maybe the, your editorial team didn't agree, or you try, you recipe tested them a little bit, and it, you know, was, was there something and it didn't work out? Was, were there any recipes that that didn't make it in? Um, yeah, let, let me think. There was a... I'm always curious about that part. Yeah, <laughs> for I some think reason. I did a schnitzel. I think I had a ah, schnitzel somewhere okay. that I didn't, I didn't end up using. I didn't think, I mean, it was fine. Um, I don't know, but in any cookbook, there's always some recipes that aren't, you know, that, you know, it, it, I mean, every single recipe you stand by, but it... You know, some 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 you love more than others, um, but that one, yeah, I don't remember what I had with it, but um, yeah, that one didn't make it. <laughs> but I don't know why it didn't make it. <laughs> okay, and then what was yeah. there? A, speak with us a little bit about the decision to uh, use Julia Rothman to do your illustrations and not having um, photography. Like, was that? Something that, you know, as this was your second book, like something that you had envisioned or, you know, how did, how did that decision get made? Um, actually, my editor, Lexi Bloom, um, suggested it. And, okay. you know, immediately when she said that, I was like, that's brilliant. I think it goes with the tone of the book. And, um, yeah, and, you know, I mean, as some people have pointed out, it's you're, when you're cooking at home, it, you you wanted to drive home that it didn't have to be perfect, you know, it doesn't have to look like, you know, when you do food photography, a lot of times it's just mm. sort of like these idealized uh, mm. versions of of what you're making and, um, yeah, and it, and it, it makes it that much more intimidating. Wow, that's an excellent point I, I never thought of. Yeah, of course, like whenever I'm like pulling up a recipe or you know, on cooking on New York times cooking and trying to do something. Yeah. Your, your mind, just as a human, you're always like, Oh, I want to make it look like the picture. But then when you kind of take, when you, when you take that out of the equation, you're a little more free form and you're also really concentrating on, you know, technique and taste. Yeah, exactly. Also, and, you know, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. yeah I mean, no one, you know, you're, you're the only one looking at it. So, True. <laughs> but yeah, Julie Rothman, I love her stuff. It's so, she's, yeah. I was really happy to do this, and I was so excited not to have to go through a long photo shoot. And <laughs> I love uh, the author photo of you, as well as the portrait of Mr. Ping, the noodle soup chef who happens to be a duck in Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> I 
loves it. Yeah, I, I don't love think it. I've ever seen another cookbook where there is a duck noodle soup chef wearing Chinese <laughs> dress illustrated. Well, that was from Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> I'm just, I haven't, I haven't seen that movie, but I'm not how. Oh my God, you have to see okay. it. It's the best movie. So it's yeah. the duck and his son is a panda. I love yeah, it. it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Multi-special. Yeah. Love, how, love can exist in many forms and family exactly. can too. <laughs> yeah. There, there's also so much humor um, in the book, which I, which I wasn't quite expecting. Um, one, one page that really made me laugh out loud was kind of like the Valentine's recipe. Um, when you were describing kind of some of your, when you were the chef at, at some of your, of your earlier restaurants, how you really like flexed with your Valentine's menu and it had hearts and it had things that were red. And then you presented in your book, like a recipe for like a single broken egg with like wilted. I think I earmarked it, Kim. Kim, I feel like yes, I um, see it. Anyway. Um, you know, why was it important to to kind of bring humor to to this book? Well, I mean, I think that you know, cooking for just yourself or, or eating by yourself, there's there's something culturally taboo about it. Mm. Um, so you ha- you kind of have to make fun of it. I I I, I think. Mm. And then there's all those you know, all those. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, when I told, I, I remember I was at the. Yeah, the share breast ovarian cancer um, fundraiser this year, and I, uh, I was with a group of of chefs, and yeah, they're asking me what I was doing now, and I said I came out with this book, and they're like, oh, what is it? And I said, you know, it's, it's cooking for one, and they all laughed. Oh <laughs> so no! They found it, they found it funny right away, which is good. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> like fine. <laughs> But yeah, clearly there's a need. So I, you know, I, I don't feel bad. <laughs> yeah, it's like cooking. You know, I think people are, you know, it's like cooking is like, you know, holiday meals and big gatherings. And, you know, I think that's, that's what people are associating with, quote unquote, you know, cooking or like something, you know, a cookbook is, has to be more special occasions. So again, like we, we, you know, really appreciate a book that, you know, is tended for, is intended for you know, doing something more by, you know, by yourself. It doesn't have to be celebratory. It's your own celebration. It's your own. It's a party, exactly. party of one. It's a modern party. Of <laughs> right. right. Are there any books that you're reading cookbooks or otherwise speaking of books? Um, yeah, I've got uh, two books that I'm reading right now. Um, well, I actually took a break from, um, I said this other book that someone gave me, but I was reading and I was reading, uh, um, buttermilk graffiti um, mm, by oh, the Ed Lee. Lee book. Mm, yeah, yeah, he gave it to me. We were at a we were at a um, an event in um, Arkansas, and he gave it to me then. And I was like, Oh my god, who knew? This <laughs> <laughs> is so it was it's so well done. I'm really excited about it. Um, and now I'm also reading um, Let the Great World Spin by Ooh, Colin McCann. That's a great New York City book. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, mm. so I I just started it and um, yeah, exciting. I was lucky enough to see him read once a while ago, and he read different excerpts of the book in different voices based on the changing characters, which is quite oh a god, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it, it's a book that makes you sort of stop and reread passages, which is, mm. which is cool. Yeah. Do you find yourself drawn to other cookbooks or fiction, nonfiction, other forms of media when you are, you know, spending time yeah. celebrating yourself? Yeah. I, I love fiction. I, I, I love fiction. I, um, you know, I, I try to read as much as I can. Um, and I love cookbooks. I have a million cookbooks. I've, I've been told I'm going to die under an avalanche of cookbooks <laughs> in my little tiny apartment eventually. I mean, I look like a horror. I've got, like, piles of them I because think... the... Uh, yeah, my shelf space has been used up. But that sounds like our <laughs> fantasy. Yeah, I, I think not we like can. I think we can relate. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought after I stayed, you know, after I called Denise, I'd stop buying them. But then, you know, they just keep on calling, and I'm like, oh, I need this. I need this. Are there any new cookbooks or food-related books that have come out this year, or ones that have been that are new to you recently that you recommend? Um. Well, I just got well. The, the last three ones that I have received, um, the Food of Taiwan by Kath, Kathy mm. Irwin, mm, a fellow Heritage cool. Radio Network host. Yeah. that's a great. Book. Yeah, so yeah. One, I'm excited for that. Um, I'm excited um, for, um, and that she gave me that one. A uh, Kian Lam Ko gave me. Kian Lam Ko gave mm-hmm. me the Phoenix Paws and Jade Trees, which mm. I'm excited about. And um, I went to um, Mark Vetri's, um Pizza Pop Up at Raja the other day, and mm-hmm. I got Mastering Pizza, which is something I'm, I'm really excited about because I just put it in a wood burning oven in my um, house last year. Oh, um, nice. Out Long Island. Oh, cool. Wait. Yeah, and I really would like to be able to make some pizza for myself. I haven't quite. You know, figured it out yet? But. Yeah, like pizza is a perfect solo food. You eat some then, and you have some for later. Like you just absolutely, you yeah. Pizza by yourself. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Mark <laughs> Vetri did a pizza pop up at at Raza. Yeah. Oh uh, my gosh! Week. What last week? So, wow. How was it? Yeah. It was amazing. Oh my gosh! That sounds like amazing. a dream. Yeah. Yeah. I think we had like four different kinds of pizzas or something like that. Wow. Um, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I mean, it was sort of like a, you know, it was like a book book dinner. Ah, okay. Yeah, I was like, I, I definitely lifted my path train ban to go to Raza, and it was really good. Yeah, I mean, it's just a twenty. You know, I would totally. I should go. I, I don't think about it because it's you know it's across. It's it's it seems far, but it's a twenty minute. It's twenty minutes from my house. It's a it, you got to cross state lines to eat this. Eat this food. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> but I love it. Yeah, Ooh. best pepperoni I've ever had. Mm. Yeah, and and you know, so in the book, you also mention oftentimes some friends, um, you know, other chefs, and you've you you've kind of been inspired to put to include recipes or adapted recipes like. Amanda Cohen's taco recipe, um, which, you know, I, I found like, I found really refreshing because it, it's felt to me a little bit lately that there, there isn't, I, I know that there is an intense camaraderie that exists among chefs, but sometimes when you're in a, you know, working on a cookbook, you want to have like your own proprietary recipes that, um, you know, are just your own. And I, I, I really liked it when you said, you know, this is a, I love going to eat Amanda Cohen's, you know, Brussels sprouts tacos, but this is kind of like my version. That's a little simpler. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I you know, this, this book isn't isn't necessarily about me. It's like I guess my first cookbook had was more you know calling card. Um, okay. and it had to more define you. This one, you know, this is for the home cook, so it's not you know these a lot of these recipes aren't even creative. So like I've got. You know, I've got uh, I've got like Singapore noodles. You know, mm-hmm. I mean that's I didn't do anything to that. It was just calibrated for one person. You know. Um. Cool. Yes. Though that that recipe definitely caught my eye as well. Um. We are running a little short on time, so maybe uh you could leave us with like if if I was going home for dinner tonight and I could just stop at my regular store, what should I make from Solo tonight? It depends on what you're feeling like. Oh, <laughs> you know? tell, give me your greatest hits. What should I? Okay, it's kind of cold. It's cold, but not super cold in New York today, I would say. So maybe I like a lot of vegetables. Um, How, okay, make make some ochazuke. Okay, I've um, never made that before. Right. What is that? So it's basically like a, it's like a dashi tea um, that you pour over rice. It could be old rice. I mean, yesterday's rice or whatever. Um or it could be new rice. I usually make it with brown rice because um, I like the sweetness of it. Um, and you put, you know, various things on top. I love to put, um, you know, some fish. I think there's, I think in the, in the book, I just have like an avocado one, like mm-hmm. a simple one. Avocado um, sunshine. Hmm, delicious. Really I actually good. have an avocado at home, so. Perfect. You can yeah. have your tea and eat it too. <laughs> I was go. waiting to say that. <laughs> well, well, chef, thank you so much for joining us today. Again, we we uh we have had um, a wonderful time with Chef Anita Lowe. She has a brand new cookbook. It's called Solo. What is the la- the tagline? Solo, a modern cookbook for a party of one. It certainly has been a party today. Um, you can find it anywhere where cookbooks are sold. And um, again, Chef Anita, thank you so much for joining us thank on you. Recommended Reading. Yeah, yeah great talking to and you. And congratulations. congratulations. Thank you. All right, Let's... we'll be having a party tonight by ourselves <laughs> or with others. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Also, these recipes are easily multiplied. So listeners, if you want to party with more than one, you can do that as well. Uh, we'll talk to y'all soon. And in the meantime, this is Recommended Reading. And it's been two of us here, Kim and Amanda. Thanks so much. Bye. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.
Recommended reading is powered by Simplecast. Simplecast is a popular hosting and analytics platform that allows podcasters to easily host and publish to apps like Apple Podcasts. If you have a podcast or are looking to create your very first, check it out. Try it for free and save half off your first three months at simplecast.com forward slash heritage.